All right, welcome to Dugout Dish Baseball Recruiting Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Keith Glasser. Episode 3. You ready, Coach? Ready. Let's do this. All right, so today we're going to touch on three or four different topics. Got a couple questions that we get asked routinely. And, uh, shed a little light on a couple popular topics that we think are deserving of a little bit of a longer conversation. So first one, we're going to talk about the level of play in college baseball. Kind of dispel the myth that it's this linear relationship between between division and level of competition. Uh, Coach, obviously we've been we've been at this for a while. We got a pretty good feel for the level of competition up and down college baseball. And I think anybody who's been in the game long enough or who has a uh, an understanding of the level of competition across college, across college baseball knows that uh, just because you're Division One doesn't mean you're better in Division Two and Division Three and so on and so forth, and that there's there's layers within layers within layers when you're talking about the talent level, the level of competition, the quality of program. Um, so I'll stop my ramble and I'll let you get us kickstarted here on a on a, a nuanced topic. Yeah, you know I think when you start kind of peeling back the the layers of this onion, um, you know I, I think a lot of people kind of view college athletics and and in baseball we we they kind of view the it through the lens of like juco's the lowest level division three is the second lowest division two and then division one when that's not necessarily the case when it comes to um college baseball you know there's there's some juco's out there that will will go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the country i mean there's dudes at those levels you know and same thing in division three and same thing in division two you know i i, I was blessed enough uh, to have coached Division One, Two, II, and Three, I, I never necess- I never coached JUCO, but I, I can tell you there's guys at every level, um, and there's really good teams at every level. And there, you know, I was an upstate New York guy who who played at Marist and then <clears throat> went down and coached at West Alabama. <clears throat> Excuse me, and you know, I was like, eh, how good are we going to be Division Two? Like we were six in the country. You know, we're going toe to toe with Lynn and Florida Southern and Tampa and Southern Arkansas. I mean, Southern Arkansas that year at a first rounder who was like ninety five to ninety seven, like. It was absurd, um, you know, but there's guys at every level. And I think, you know, the, 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 the very basic issue that a lot of people run into is they, they think along the lines of like Juco is not that good. Division three is like 13th grade and division two, eh, well, whatever we'll see. And then division one is where I want to go when you can find the right fit academically and program wise and development wise within any of those divisions, including Juco and succeed and put yourself in a better spot to go play, you know, specifically if you're playing Juco to go play at a four-year school, you know, but those four-year schools, you can develop into a guy who if pro ball is in your future, you can do it from the division three level. You can do it from the division one level. You can do it from division two. It just, it depends on the the development you're going to get at that program. And conversely, there's programs that you can go to where it might not be in your future. And that's just the reality of what it is for some of these programs. So, you know, I, I think to kind of dispel the the myth and, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot of, it's not just this linear, like Juco is fourth, third, second, first, you know, it's, it's a, there's a lot of different things that kind of weave their way in and out of this. And there's really good baseball being played at all levels. You have to be humble enough to understand that while also being, while also seeing where you fit personally into one of those divisions and programs within those divisions. The thing for me that people get caught up in is I think it's, I think most people just assume that it's the way that they want it to be and that it's that straightforward because it's the easy thing to think, right? It's the, it's the, the stance you can have on the topic without having a ton of information into it. And it's just, it's not that straightforward. There's tiers, there's multiple tiers within division one baseball. I mean, think about this. There are schools in the NEC that are competing for the same trophy of schools in the SEC, right? Nothing against the NEC, right? But they're not, it's not the same level of baseball. And that's like the first step to understanding that not all things are created equal within a division. And then you got to understand that there's overlap within those divisions. I mean, you got division two programs, the Millersvilles, the Westchesters, the Tampas, North Greenville down in, in, in North Carolina. And 
they're as good as they're as good as a lot of Division One programs. I'm not going to call anybody out, but you know, if you if if you're around college baseball, you know that programs like that, and there's plenty of other ones that we didn't mention. They're as good, if not better, than a lot of Division One programs, and it's not just talent, right? It's not just a pure talent. It's they they have better coaches. They run a better program. The expectations within a program are different. Um, and it's same thing goes with Division Three. Like the the high end of the Division Three table is it's super competitive, and it, there is some overlap with some Division One schools. By the time a lot of those Division Three programs, those guys become juniors and seniors. They are now not the kid that was recruited out of high school. They're now a 20, 21, 22 year old. And, you know, you watch the Division Three College World Series and, you know, there's guys that are running out there that are 89, 92 and they can pitch and there's position players who are physical and they can run and they can play the game. And uh, I think people take the easy way out when it comes to this conversation a lot of times. And I just think the myth needs to be dispelled a little bit because you know, there, to your point, people view Division Three as it's like it's thirteenth grade. Like, no, only only what's the number everybody throws out? Seven percent, right? Two two point two percent play yeah, Division One. Two point two percent, you know, Division Two, II, Division Three. The filter is fine regardless of what level, but you got to understand that players develop at different rates, and uh, you know, it's just the level of competition isn't that straightforward and. You know, the other thing that I always find interesting when people start talking about is I love the term power five, right? And it's, uh, for me, it's a football term. It's something that is, is kind of baked into the world of football because you got the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Big 12, ACC and the SEC. And is there some truth to that statement as it goes as far as college baseball? Yes, there is some truth, right? But there's a lot of programs that aren't in those conferences that are better than the programs in those conferences. And that's another thing. And I, you know, I've had parents scoff at programs. Uh, you know, I've had players just general have generally no understanding that there's programs outside of those five conferences that are total ass kickers, right? You know, you look in the top 25 right now, you got what well, we were talking about this today. You got UConn, you got Florida Gulf Coast, you got Campbell, you got ECU. ECU. I think UC Santa Barbara's in some. ODU's been in and out of the top 25, Southern Miss, Texas State. It, and most people hear some of those school names and they don't get fired up, but they also have zero knowledge of how good they are. And I think that that's where it starts is that most people, they take the easy way out when it comes to this conversation. And for me, that's a little frustrating because, you, know, you know, we know how good some of these programs are and uh yeah it just deserves it deserves a little bit of a longer conversation well i think it, it goes back to kind of I, I think podcast one you and i touched on this just a little bit of of legitimately watching college baseball like try to try to catch some games watch them on espn plus watch them on whatever it is that you can you know catch games on because you can start to kind of really see a, a lot of really good baseball being played at all levels um, that is the first, I, I think the first thing that people really need to be able to realize is that, you know, you are an outlier if you're going to go play college baseball, right? Like 93% of the high school seniors that are playing baseball right now are not going to play college baseball. So you, like, you're an outlier getting to college. So, you know, it doesn't matter what level you go to, you still have to be pretty good by and large to go play college baseball. Then it tears from there, right? Like, you know, the top guys are obviously going to the SEC, the ACC schools like that, but you still have to be, like I said, a, a really good baseball player. And I, I think you have a, a mix of, of things that kind of feed into the, I don't want to say misinformation because that's the wrong word to use, but maybe the, the, the myth, the, the, the misunderstanding, the, the lack of, of legitimate education for parents and kids that are going through the process, because, you know, I, I used to say this all the time when I was coaching it, it is a, the, the recruiting process is a veiled process on the coach's side, right? Like you're trying to, as a coach, I'm trying to fill my roster with guys that I want, 
on my program that are in my program that are going to help me win. But I also know that I'm recruiting five, six, seven guys for one spot. So, you know, I'm not necessarily being like, I'm not showing all my cards all the time. You know, I, there's a, you know, I have a ranking system of, of who I want. Um, you know, and I, I think there, there comes a time where, you know, the, the, you got to pull the veil back a little bit and, and kind of say like, Hey, look, like there's, there's a lot of, just because, you know, you're on my recruiting board doesn't mean you're on someone else's. And just because you're not on mine doesn't mean you can't play somewhere else. It's, it's more along the lines of what fits my program, my style of coaching and what it is that I want, what's going to make us good. Um, you know, and I, I think there's people who are, have the best intentions in families and, and, and players lives, but aren't necessarily up to date with the most information available for them to be telling them the information they are, I, I think is the best way to put it. I, I think they have the, the best intentions that they, you know, in, in and they have the, the kid's best interest in mind, but they don't have the correct information. And that's where people go down the wrong path. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I've had a lot of people who have reached out to me as, as, you know, coaches and, um, you know, guys who give lessons and things of that nature. When I was, when I was coaching that, you know, flat out told me like, I know this kid can play for you. You know, I, I always had a problem with that as a coach. Cause it's like, you, like, I'd always ask, like, have you seen us play? And the answer was always like, well, not in like eight years or no, I haven't. Well, if you've never seen us play. Like, how can you tell me definitively that this person can play for me? Or how can you say he can't? Like one, one or the other, right? Like, if you have no knowledge of what it is that is going on in my program, how can you tell somebody, like, no, you can't play there? Or, yes, you can. Like, I'm the one who's going to make that decision eventually. Or my assistant coach, whoever, like, whoever is recruiting him and sees them the most, like, that's the person who's going to kind of make that decision. So it, it, it's... You know, I, I, I've always had a problem with that, you know, kind of to your point on the, the, the information that people get that it's, you know, I, I don't necessarily I don't I, I don't believe that it's it's with bad intentions. It's it's with the best interest in mind for the kid. But I, I don't think they are as well as well informed as they should be. You know, and that's where that's how we end up having this conversation where people think that, you know, it, it, it's it's you can kind of scoff at Division three schools or Division twos or, you know, what people would consider a mid-major Division one. Um, you know, that's not necessarily always going to be the case. Like it's really good baseball and, you, you know, you have to keep all doors open and, and kind of understand where you fit into that so that you can find the best fit for you. You know, you might close some doors just because you scoff at a program and don't think it's good. And then, you know, three, four years later, three, four years later, be like, probably should have taken that one a little bit more seriously. Um, you know, but yeah. that's, it's the way of the world. Right. But, you know, I, I think that that's, that's kind of one of the biggest things that I have always found with, when I was coaching that, that kind of always bothered me. And, you know, I, I, I just kind of thought that it was, it was worth being said. It's not, I don't think there's any bad intentions or, or malintent behind it. It's just, it's, it's a lack of, a lack of understanding and a lack of information on, on people's fault on people's behalf, which then leads you down a, a really bad path. Yeah. And it leads to the, it leads to that D one and boss mentality. Right. And there's some validity to it, right? If you're a high school kid and you're 25 or, you know, and you want to play division one baseball, like, yeah, absolutely go for it, get after it, like do what you need to do to be the best player that you can be. Uh, but oftentimes I, I actually think that the D one and bus mentality comes from parents more than the kids. But I often, but most of the time I feel that kids, they generally want to go somewhere where they have a chance to play and they're going to get a chance to compete and in, with the good intentions there. And obviously you run into some guys that are a little bit more hard-headed and, and that's fine, right? I'm okay with stubborn. I'm okay with a kid who wants to, you know, shoot, you know, have the, you know, shoot for the highest stars. Like I get that. And I'm all, all aboard of that, but I've watched and seen kids lose opportunities because they didn't want to take honest feedback and they weren't willing to look in different places because somebody was either in their ear telling them, Hey, you're better than that program to your point with, that person probably not having any real knowledge of where they fit. And then really it, it comes down to looking at the, the whole picture and what are you trying to get out of this, right? If you're an ACC or an SEC guy, you'll know it, right? That, you'll know it because you're going to be getting recruited by plenty of schools and like those guys stick out. It's those kind of 
it's the other guys that you need to be honest about where you fit and what's important to you to, so that you don't get engulfed in that whole D1 and bus mentality. And if you're a Division One player, great, awesome, go get it. But this idea that going somewhere that's at the Division Two or Division Three level is like a consolation prize is such a weird thing to me probably because we know how good some of those programs are. And also, you know, if you want to find out how good you can be, you got to play. So, you know, what's wrong with going to an awesome division two program winning and getting a chance to compete versus, well, I went to a division, I being able to say when you're 35 that I played division one baseball, like nobody cares. Like it's the truth. Like nobody cares. I don't identify as a college baseball player anymore. Right. Like nobody cares what level I played at or how many games. And it's hard for a 17 year old to understand that. But what you'll remember about in college is how much did you play, the dudes that you played with, the wins, the losses, the bus rides. And don't let don't let a bad amount of information get in the way of you making a good decision. Right. That's that's a big thing for me with and it. And it's a hard conversation sometimes to have to tell a kid, hey, I don't I, I think we need to look in other places because I think you're going to find a better fit somewhere else. Um, so if you're listening, don't get caught up in that rigmarole. Uh, be open to programs, not levels. Uh, and that's usually a pretty good place to start. And I think the being able to have those conversations throughout the recruiting process is is vital to being able to find not only the right, you know, program to go play for, but the right fit, you know, you, you're going to end up legit, you know, you, the, the likelihood of you ending up in the transfer portal, if you're going somewhere just because you're chasing levels is incredibly high. You know, you want your college experience to, to be something that, you know, like you said, I, you know, I, there's a lot of times that, and nowadays, man, I'm 30, I don't even know how old I am, 36, 37. I, I don't re really remember a, a lot of the wins and the losses. I remember some, but I remember more of, you know, the bus rides, the the trips that we took, the the practices, the, you know, freshman year, I texted you and Soups the other day. Like we saw something on Fallible Sports where they're shoveling off the tarp. Like I remember freshman year pouring water on the, on the ice in the outfield. Like what an absurd concept. Like but I remember stuff like that, like, you know, Robbie Ryan singing in the outfield, like those are things that you start to remember, you know, and, and the relationships that you build. And, you know, you look at, you know, what you and I are doing and, and things like that, that you continue to, you know, you, you do this with people that you, you know, build unbelievable relationships with during the course of your, you know, college career. You know, and I think that that is something that is, you know, not necessarily talked about, but you, it is something that is more more or less kind of glanced over when you start talking about program and fit, you know, you want to be able to go to a place where you know, not only you're going to develop, you're going to excel academically, but you're going to also excel personally. You're going to meet friends and, and people that you are going to be friends with for the rest of your life. It's not going to be everybody, right? Like, I mean, we play with a lot of guys, like I don't talk to every single one of them, but there's a decent amount of guys that I talk to on a regular basis that we played with, you know, and that, that that's something that is special to me. And I'm glad that I had that as part of my experience at Marist. So, you know, I, I think that that is, you know, we were, you know, I, I think, you know, sometimes people will listen and be like, well, you're a division one guy. Like, you know, that's easy to say that. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be a division one guy nowadays. And that that's the reality, you know, but having coached division three, having coached division two, having coached division one, played division one, like I can legitimately tell you, like, you're far better off finding the right fit from a program and development and personal standpoint and specifically academics than you ever will be just chasing levels to go to a school because of what the, the name on the front of the jersey. And it sounds super cliche, but it's true. You know, you're going to have a far better experience and have a far better career in whatever it is that you choose to do, especially from a networking standpoint. If you go to a school where, you know, you you're connected to, you know, 30, 60, 70 dudes. And then that alumni network and, and the things that go on from there, like you, you, those things that you can commit to for four years, no matter what the level is. And, and you kind of start that path, you know, right away, like you, you end up in a far better spot in my, in my opinion, um, not chasing the level and chasing the, 
chasing the fit and the and the development and the program and, and the academics than you ever will be just saying like oh, i want to go play division one baseball like, yeah everyone does but you know what sometimes one it's not in the cards for everybody that's just the reality and two it might be in the cards but it might be better for you to go to a different school a lower division school that is still really good athletically but also really good academically it's going to set you up moving forward yeah, I mean that long term. The long term piece is is really important because when you do make that decision, right? If you're going to go play professional baseball, awesome, like like good on you. Um, but most guys aren't, and even the ones who do, most of them aren't going to make a ton of money doing it. So, you know, that piece of paper and your experience should matter. It should absolutely matter. And oftentimes, the experience is coupled with playing time and winning and all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a parent or a player listening just be open-minded that there could be a fit out there besides a division one school right and you may not be a division one guy right now and that's fine understand that the recruiting process is iterative and you reserve the right to continue to get better and uh, i mean you see it all the time you see guys you know the fall of their sophomore year going into their junior year they're not where they you're the fall of their junior year going into their junior spring you know they they may not be that that surefire division one guy but six months later they're getting closer and then they get two months into the summer and they put themselves in that position so it's not that you shouldn't have that as a goal right i understand it you want to play at the quote-unquote highest level of college baseball shoot for it but also don't be so close-minded and stubborn that you don't you that you don't consider other options just because the number next to the division isn't isn't what you think is the cool thing, right? Like, don't go chasing a bumper sticker, chase an experience, chase a coaching staff, chase an education, uh, chase a chance to play, chase a, chase a chance to compete. Uh, those are the important pieces of the puzzle. You touched on the dreaded transfer portal a couple minutes ago. Uh, I think I think that that's enough. Almost every parent or player that I talk to, they want to know, how is the transfer portal going to impact me? Is it going to impact me? How's it impacting high school players? And uh, there's a lot going on in college baseball with the transfer portal now. And there's a few other pieces that just happened with the expansion of the rosters that I think is going to have a fairly significant impact on it but keith i know you were running through some numbers today uh maybe if you want to shed a little bit of light on some of your research around transfers and uh, the current activity um, in the in the last calendar year at the division one level um yeah i mean there's there's a, a lot of of young baseball players that are in the transfer portal um you know we've talked about this in in previous podcasts and it's probably going to be an issue in you know, not an issue. It'll probably be something that's brought up in, in a lot of our future podcasts, especially when we start bringing some coaches on in the coming weeks, you know, but the, the reality is it's not going away. You know, I, I think we've talked about this before, but you know, the, the, the number of, of transfers. And when we start talking transfers, you know, we're talking four to four, we're talking two to four, you know, the Juco to a four-year school and, you know, four to fours, so there's you know there, there's a, a substantial amount of kids who are transferring school to school you know i i went through the the power fives and these are not you know official numbers but i, I went through some rosters and um you know i i think in the acc there was 88 transfers on rosters this is the entire conference um the sec had 157 Big 12 at 124, the Pac-12 at 114, and the Big 10 at 116. You know, and I think some things, you know, obviously play into that, right? Like, you know, the ACC and, and the Big 10, you know, and the Pac-12 for the, for the most part, you know, they have 11 teams in there. Um, you know, there, there's some, some higher-end academic Division I schools in those conferences. So I, it's not necessarily something where I think you're going to get a ton of guys um, transferring in year in and year out. Now, some of the other schools where they might not, you know, it is, um, you know, it's not Duke, it's not Vandy, it's not um, Stanford. Um, you know, there's a little bit more wiggle room for transfers in there. And there's Juco guys and there's four-year guys, um, you know, and I think that that's something that, you know, when we, when we talk about the recruiting process and the levels, 
you know, you can roll through a lot of the, you know, power fives and look like there's a lot of Juco guys on those rosters. You know, I think that that is something that kind of gets lost on, on people from the, you know, from a high school recruiting standpoint, like you, yeah, you're, you're competing against everyone else in your graduating class to go play college baseball and be recruited, but you're also competing against other like other college guys, the Juco guys and other four-year guys who might be looking to transfer somewhere else, you know, so there's, there's a lot more that, that kind of goes into it there. And it's not necessarily to, to scare anybody, right? Like I, I'm not looking to, to scare you into this is a, a big scary process and what's going on, but this is the reality, you know, at, at almost, I, you know, I, I would venture a guess, you know, and this is a complete off the top of my head guess. Um, but I would venture a guess to say that, uh, 70 to 75 percent of division all divisions like will at least explore the juco option um you know that's that's a high percentage of schools that are looking at junior colleges you know i mean we when i was you know when i was coaching i know we did it when i was at west alabama we did it when i was at siena and you know we did it at rpi i had juco guys when i was there too so you know, to, to, to kind of think that just because you're at a, a higher end academic institution, you're not recruiting JUCOs, like that's not the case at all. Um, you know, so I, I think that that's, it's something that's not going away. I, and I think, you know, some of the stigma uh, of the transfer portal is that, you know, you go in there and, you know, you didn't, you made the poor decision, you committed super early. And, you know, that might be the case in some instances for people. Others, it might be the coach left. The guy who recruited you left and, you know, you don't necessarily, the, the, the entire staff is gone and, you know, you, you're, you're leaving. Um, you know, there might be some other things that are going on personally where you want to, you know, get out of that school and that's fine. You know, but I also think, you know, if you're a JUCO guy, you're not technically like, yeah, you're in the portal, but like you're not technically in the portal for anything other than you got your associates and you're looking to go play at a four-year school. You know, you're looking to further your career there too. You know, so there's, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, again, a couple levels to that, but a, a little bit of a, a myth dispelling for me that, you know, I don't think it's always super negative to be in the transfer portal. Do I think that if you were in there like seven times, it's a, it's a red flag for me, but, you know, hey, if the coach left or you got something going on personally, something's going on family-wise, you know, you maybe just didn't find the right fit the first time. You thought you did and you, you missed. Like, hey, it's life. It happens. Um, you know, but the, those necessarily aren't negative to me, but – you know, the reality is when you, if you're a high school kid listening, like you're competing against Juco kids, you're competing against other four-year guys that are going to go try to take it, take a spot at a school that you might be, be being recruited at, you know, so you have to make sure that you show up every day and, and put your best foot forward so that you can be good and be recruited too. So it's, there's a lot that goes into it, um, you know, and, and not all of it is super negative, but it's just, it's kind of the reality of where I think all of college sports are, but especially college baseball right now. Yeah, the one-year transfer exemption changed everything, right? Because you get, you know, if you're a kid, you get, you know, you kind of get a free pass. Maybe not making a mistake, but, you know, you get a free pass to get out of a situation that may not be, you know, most beneficial to you. And there's, like you said, there's a lot of reasons that that could be the case, right? You know, it could be that you're not getting playing time. You know, you know, they brought in junior college kids and you don't see a path to playing time and you want to go somewhere and you want to get a chance to play. It could be it's not an academic fit. Something could happen personally. There's a lot of reason that kids go in the portal. But I think from a high school perspective, from a high school player's perspective, you got to understand that it's out there and you got to understand that it does affect you. Right. College coaches are going to defer to an already proven player at the collegiate level. Right. That That's just they're in the business of winning and if they can go get a player that they know has a chance to contribute right away they're going to do it and you're seeing it all over college baseball and it's not going to go away with the 40 man rosters coming uh, basically you just add five guys to every roster that aren't going to play right if you're a college coach you've got 13 or 14 position guys that you go to on a regular basis right you got your your eight regular starters you probably got one or two rotational outfielders you know, maybe a left-handed hitter, right-handed hitter combo. You know, you probably got a couple guys in the infield that are rotational players and you got a backup catcher. And then you got eight or 10 arms that you actually want to throw. Everybody else is, it, this is just this straightforward answer. Everybody else is expendable. And you're just going to add five guys to the back end of those rosters. And 
guys are going to make decisions and I don't blame them. It's, it's not a, it's not throwing shade or, you know, having fault on anybody, but you know, if you're the 38th guy on a roster in the sec, what's wrong with leaving that school and going some, go and play somewhere where you're going to get a chance to play. If you were wearing an sec uniform, somebody's going to welcome you with open arms. Cause you were probably pretty talented. You may not be talented enough to play on that team right now. Right. And, just you, you got to understand that it's a piece of the puzzle and you got to understand that coaches are actively trying to bolster their roster with kids who are already proven. It doesn't mean that you can't get recruited, right? It's not a zero sum game. They're still looking for high school players. They're still looking for guys that can make an impact earlier in their career. But I think it, it kind of circles back to the fit conversation and like kind of the D one and bus thing is that be open to other things be open to different tiers within division one be open to division two division three because your overall experience might end up being better um i was talking with a a friend of ours earlier today and you know the other thing that we were talking about was if you're on a roster and you can't get on the field by the end of your sophomore year there's a really good chance that you're probably never going to play much um because you get recruited over transfer portal to plug holes and understanding the opportunity to develop and understanding uh, the ability to get on the field early needs to factor into your, your, you know, your decision when you're going through the recruiting process, right? It's a meritocracy once you get there, but uh, you know, the transfer portal needs to be a piece of the puzzle when you're considering some of these schools, like it's not hard to find out who is bringing in 10 or 12 transfers every year. We'll do the math. If they've got 12 high school kids committed and they're bringing in 10 transfers every year, somebody's got to go, right? There's a, a story out of the Big 12 earlier this fall. Public knowledge, I won't call anybody out. You can look it up. Four freshmen got to campus, four highly recruited freshmen, and they were told they no longer have a spot on the team when they got to campus. And it was because those coaches went and got other players uh, they probably got their scholarship money screwed up because somebody stayed or somebody didn't go or they offered too much money to somebody, whatever it is, they didn't balance their books and they had to hack high school kids. Um, you know, and that hopefully it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And just understand that it does impact you and you need to have some knowledge of it so that you can minimize the impact that it's going to have on you. Just a little bit of research a little bit of a deeper dive into the programs that are recruiting you, understanding the communication, the level of interest, you know, it'll, it'll help you avoid any negative impacts that can have on you, but transfer port is real. And it's, it's good in some ways for sure. I mean, it, it heightens the level of competition. Um, and I think it's going to raise the stakes in college baseball, but yeah, it can be, it can be tough for some high school kids here moving forward. And yeah, you know, that's just the reality of it. Yeah, and it's going to, you know, I, we've talked about this before. You're the the whole job of a college. I mean, there's a lot of jobs, but one of them is to win. And if you're going to help us win, you know, and I, I think this is also something when, you know, you're looking at rosters, like see where they're recruiting from, see what, you know, is it JUCO? Are they transfers? Are they high school kids? But take a legitimate look at like what, how many position guys they have, how many infielders are there, how many corner guys do they have, how many outfielders are there? You know, if there's six outfielders on the on the roster and one's a senior, likelihood of them recruiting a lot of outfielders next year is not that high unless their outfield is not very good. And then, you know, we're probably getting into the transfer portal and things like that. But, you know, there's no, you know, there's no secret or there's no, um key there's no there's no exact science to the recruiting end of things you know you're going to recruit guys that you know you might recruit over some guys that you thought were going to be really good you know because all of a sudden you find some other high school kids that are that are better you know and i i think this is one thing that kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit too is you know when, when you're running a program from the coaching end of things when you're recruiting like you're the the whole point of recruiting is to continually make your program better the you're not just recruiting to maintain the status quo like you're recruiting to continually level up 
your program year after year after year after year, which means that as a player in that program, like they believe you're in that program to help them win. You need to level your game up year after year after year after year. And if you don't, you're just going to get passed. And that's just that, that, that's just the reality of, of life. It's the reality of college athletics. It's the reality of, of a team dynamic. And it's, you know, like you always say, it's a meritocracy when you get there, like it's, you're going to play if you're good. And if you have the ability to help us win, you're going to find yourself in the lineup. You know, if you're not, you're going to get passed over and, you know, then there's going to be decisions that are going to be made, you know, so there's, there's a lot, you know, those are the things that I think, you know, that, that we've kind of, that we've kind of outlined tonight. Like, those are things that I think not a lot of people talk about and it's a hard conversation to have with people. You know, these, this is the truth about what, what is going on within college baseball and the transfer portal and what coaches think and, and, and things like that. Like it's, you know, you have to be good to continue to play. You have to be good to get in the lineup and, and play weekly and, and every and be in every game. You know, so if you're not, you know, then those are tough conversations. But, you know, it, it, it might end up being where you might end up in the transfer portal because, you know, you're getting recruited over because you just haven't developed enough. You know, so there's it's not the it's not the the, the biggest negative in the world, but you know, it's it's just a reality that's gonna happen for a, a decent amount of people nowadays. Yeah, and I think the the other question we get asked about a lot, and I think the, the transfer portal does play into this, is we get asked about timelines, right? And you get, you know, 2025s or 2024s or 2026s panicking, right? Rule number one, don't panic, right? That's, I don't know if Jocko said that or whoever, but I think I think Coach Murphy, uh, one of my, my favorites of all time now, Merrimack, that was kind of rule number one is don't panic. And I think that that, that overlaps into the recruiting process. So you get kids, you're like if, if you're a 2025 and you're not getting recruited right now, it doesn't mean that you're not good, right? Everybody's process is different. Everybody's timeline is going to be different. Guys are going to peak at different times. And uh, the, the one piece of advice I can have with regards to timelines is it's not about when, it's about getting it right. And, you know, if you commit – if you're a 2026 and you commit this summer, great. I hope you got it right. Because you got a long ways to go before you get to campus. And your recruiting process, while you may have posted your Twitter, you know, your Instagram graphic or what do they call them, edits? I think they call them edits now. Um, you may have posted that. But all it is is a social media post. It's, it's a verbal agreement and you need to hold up your end of the bargain. And you need to continue to develop because if you don't and you start getting passed later on by guys in your class, those coaches will let you go, right? And it happens every summer. We, we hear it all the time. Guys just didn't develop, so we went and got another guy. And it's not the coach's fault. People can blame the coaches, and I see people you know tweet about it. Hey, the coaches need to make a decision that's best for their program. Um, but the players, you also got to know that you need to put in the time and the effort to get there. But I think some of what drives those really early commitments is this pressure from their peers. They're like, I want to commit. I want to commit. I want to be able to post. I want to be able to tell everybody that I committed. And I think it makes for some bad decisions. And I think you get some guys who commit early and they either made the wrong commitment and it ends up not working out for them or uh, you know they find themselves in a situation when they get to campus that they weren't really prepared for because they didn't take the time they didn't do the due diligence on getting to know the coaching staff on really getting to understand the program uh, and you know for me if you're 26 and you're a bro and arkansas offers you 50 percent, like go pitch for the razorbacks like go get it done make sure you bust your ass for the next four years and get ready to go but if you're not getting a really good offer and you don't feel really comfortable about what is coming down the pipe, there's no pressure to commit. Don't let anybody pressure you to make a decision that's going to have lasting impact on you as a person and as a player. You know, Focus on what you can control, focus on develop, focus on getting better, and don't worry about all the other stuff that gets posted on social media. And you know, focus on your timeline and making sure that you get the process right. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't envy these young men who have to go through this because 
we never had to deal with it as players. Like I, I didn't even know who guys from the state of New York were when I was in Massachusetts. Now these guys are worried about the catcher from Chicago that they saw on some video and he's going to take a spot at the school that they like. It's such a weird dynamic. And I, I don't envy the kids because I think if they wasn't there, a lot of these kids would be more focused on like, let me just be the best that I can be uh, instead of worrying about, well, I saw that so-and-so committed. I really wanted to go there, you know, but now that they committed an infielder, I can't go there. Well, no, that's not true. But also, you know, let's, let's just, let's look in the mirror and worry about that guy a little bit. Yeah. The, the whole <laughs> social media thing has, has changed, you know, the game for, for, you know, I think in some ways a, a lot of positives and I think in other ways, not a lot of positives. Um, you know, I, I think it has accelerated timelines on a lot of these kids for, for that very reason that people are looking for a little bit more clout and, you know, they want to be done because I think they feel the pressure of, of seeing all these other people have committed. So, you know, I, I should commit. And, you know, I, I do think there are programs out there that, you know, more or less, you know, in my term, I'm just going to use what I would say, you know, I think they more or less kind of bully people into making decisions that, you know, uh, maybe are not the best for that potential student athlete in the moment. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are going to happen over the course of the next, you know, if you're 26, what are you, a freshman right now? Is that a freshman? Yeah, freshman. Yeah, so if you're a freshman and you're a 26, like you're not playing college baseball for five years. Like there's a lot that is going to go on over the course of the next three, four, five years before you really set foot on campus and 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 play a legitimate game for that program. And I think that there's, you know, people don't necessarily want to take that into account. Like, and it's not just what's going on in your world. Yeah, everyone's going to tell you, like, yeah, I plan on being here, but uh, let's be honest, like, college athletics is a business. If someone's going to be able to better their life and their family's life, like, they're probably going to take that decision, you know, and, and worry about themselves and their families and then do what's best for them. You know, and that goes for head coaches, that goes for assistant coaches, it goes for assistant coaches way more than it does for head coaches, right? But there's there's going to be head coaches that are going to, you know, walk away. There's going to be head coaches that are going to go to other programs because it's a better fit for them and it's a level up and it's more money and it's more X, Y, Z. You're in a better conference, whatever it is, you know, but that's, there's five years of that, you know, that you're, there's a lot of things that can happen that can change over the course of that time. And, you know, I think trying to accelerate it just to, you know, for, you know, kind of for what, right? Like, because, you know, they're putting pressure on me and, and I need to do this. Like I can promise you, if you're a bro 26 and you continue to be a bro for the next two, three, four years, like someone, multiple schools will have a spot for you to go play. I can guarantee you that. Like no one is who's going to offer you it when you're a 26 and you're, you're that much better when you're, you know, a junior, no one's going to be like, sorry, man, we're, we have no more spots in that class. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, I can guarantee no. you, I, I will guarantee you that no one's going to be like, hey, man, we offered you three years ago and you're still better than everybody, but we don't have any spots for you. Um, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go somewhere else. It's not going to happen. I can promise you, I will bet my life on it. It's not going to happen. You know, I, I think that people don't necessarily want to take into account, like, how how much time is actually going to pass before you a set foot on campus for your first fall and B play a game like a meaningful game in college, which isn't going to be the spring of your freshman year. You know, so there's, there's a lot of time, you know, that that's going to change between them, you know, and I, I think yesterday I saw a 27 committed and there's multiple 27s out there. Committed. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're committing 27s. Couldn't agree. You're more, in eighth Keith. grade and we're committing to colleges in eighth grade. Like, this, this is where and this is, I digress and I'm on a rant for a second, but this is why college baseball is in, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a, a pickle because there, like, there's no reason an eighth grader, should, multiple eighth graders should be committing to colleges. None. Because especially at some of these schools where, you know, again, for better or for worse, those coaches might not be there. And in some likelihoods, they're not going to be in another two years. 
So like, what, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? I, I agree with you, man. And I, Hey, if you're, if you're 27 and you get offered by, you know, name, whatever top five school, you know, good on you. Uh, but I would ask the parents, like, is your 13 year old really ready to make a decision about where they're going to go to college? You know, I challenge I challenge the parents to take a step back because if your kid's that good, trust me, that coach, you'll have plenty of options to your point, right? Like if you're a 2023 and, and, and you're uncommitted right now and you come out this spring and you're 90 to 93, trust me, they'll find spots for you, right? Like it, it, it's yes, not, like that, that's my point. It's like not that, that complicated. And, no, uh, and that's like that, like the hard part for me and for you, because you and I have had this conversation for a long time, and, and even people that we know that are in the business, that are still in the business, like a lot of people have mixed feelings about this. But the the, the reality is, like, what's the point? Like, you're telling me that if that kid, like, you're a bro at 27, like, if all of a sudden in two or three years you're still 91 and 94, like, multiple schools at the highest of levels are going to have a spot for you. Like, there's no rush. You might have more options. Oh, yeah. You might have more options, right? And if you have more options and you're, if you're that good, why not wait to get eight or nine options? Why not go to those camps and meet the coaching staff, right? Figure out if you actually want to play for those dudes. You know, well, there's that. And then there's, you know, think about, you know, with the way college baseball is going and, and college sports in general, and you can, you can agree or disagree with it, but why not try to shop some NIL deals? Over the course of the next three, four, five, you know what I mean? Like, why? Yeah, why no, that's a now? that's a real piece of the puzzle. Like, hey, it's if a I'm, real if I'm piece of the puzzle. If all these people are after me like this, like I, I might be able to monetize this for myself when I get to school. So, like, what what do we have in place now versus what's going to be there in, you know, uh, what are you guys doing now? Oh, we're doing nothing. Like, eh, do you want to go there? Like, eh, we're just uh, we're not sure. Like, okay, like, well, I keep your options open. Like there's going to be a spot for you somewhere. And let's be honest, yeah. if you're, if you're the reality, you know, I shouldn't say the reality, but if you're, if you're a guy who's committing right now, who's 20, uh, 27, you're in eighth grade. If you're a parent of an eighth grader, like the likelihood of, you know, he's probably going to be super high on draft boards. If he continues to develop, like he might not go to the draft because, you know, we've talked about this, the draft shortened and he might not go to a super high level school, but not get drafted. But like, Likelihood is people are going to play him up. He's going to want to like, he might not even end up at the school. So why not just, why not see how this plays out over the course of the next three years? See what happens. Like I, that, that would be the most refreshing thing to me. If someone was like, ah, we had like five offers at eighth grade, but you know, we let it play out. And now we have 30. Like, hmm, shocker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and then you go into the, you go into the conversation around coaches and the 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 likelihood at that level are like are you, are they going to be there six years from now, right? Maybe, but go look at those conferences and see how many of those coaches have been around for a decade. When you play at that level, money's a factor, fans are a factor, winning is a factor. Like you, you don't have the job stability. Like not everybody's is Coach O'Connor and Coach Corbin who have been at those programs for, I think, I think coach O'Connor's over 20 years. And I think he went over 20 years. Like not a lot of coaches have that kind of stability at programs. Now they have that stability for a reason, but you know, that's not the case everywhere. And you don't know if those coaches are going to be there. The other thing too, if you're a 27 and a coach offers you and he tells you, you need to make a decision. Why would you want to play for a guy who's pressuring a 13 year old? There's some food for thought. I, I, I wouldn't. You want to, if you want to get down to the meat of it, why would you want to play for somebody who wouldn't let a 13-year-old make a decision? Because you can always wait. Yeah. Again, it's, a, you know, like I said, I used my word, like you're bullying people into making decisions for, for what? Uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, and I, I I'm, I'm, it's the old, it's the age old argument of like, well, everyone's doing it. Like, okay. What does that mean? It's just like, to me, like that, that's just a lazy argument. 
Like that. Oh, yeah. well, everyone's doing it. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. So we're just like, what are we doing? Are we showing up at nine U games now? Like, let's go to some nine U games and start recruiting and, and offering those kids too. Like, what, what are we doing? You're not that. You're not that far off. If you were 27 and you're a college coach and you've seen that kid play, right? If you've actually watched, gone and watched that kid, and that's the other thing I question is like, how much have you actually seen this kid play? You went and you took the time to go watch a 13U baseball game. That's crazy. 14U. I mean, I started giving lessons. I'm giving lessons to eighth graders like, they're not mature enough to make this decision. <laughs> it's, it, it's kind of like pulling teeth. Three quarters of them walk in. I ask them if they learn anything in school. They're like, I literally learned nothing today. Every time they show up, they learn nothing in school. It's unbelievable to me. But yet they can make a decision on where they're going to go to college in 10 years. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, but as you said, like, it's one thing to not agree with it. It's another thing to acknowledge that it is a thing. Right. It's 100% and, it'll, a thing. Uh, and it'll continue to be a thing until, uh, you know, until the NCAA does something about it or, yeah. you know, cause you know, if you're, if you're one of those schools that is out looking at 27s, you're doing it because you think it gives you a leg up on your competition. Right. And maybe it does. Like maybe that kid is the dude six years from now who's going to help you get to a national championship like great uh i don't agree with it i don't think it's i don't think it's healthy for anybody i actually i I think it's weird uh that you know that that's the state that it's gotten to but it doesn't mean that you can't just dismiss it and uh unfortunately we'll kind of circle back before we close the loop on this unfortunately some of these early commitments I think are driving kids to get really panicky about the recruiting process, right? And they get worried like, well, I'm a 25 and I haven't committed yet. You know, this kid that I play with, who I think I'm as good as he is, he just committed somewhere else. It's it's not zero sum. Like you need to be good enough first. You need to have a plan of attack. You need to make sure that you're doing what you can control first and worry about getting it right and worry and, and don't worry about when you commit. Right. It, it, at the end of the day, when you get to campus, the coaches don't care when you committed. They care about what you do when you get there. And if you're good enough, you'll get recruited. Regardless of level, you'll get recruited. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't envy the kids right now. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being a really good 15 year old right now and worrying about worrying about am I getting recruited or not and not just enjoying being a 15 year old and going and playing and uh you know the but that that's the that's the recruiting no but that, that that's that's where we're at now and I I think the you know I I think it's hard to kind of reconcile sometimes from the outside looking in and, and even when you're on the inside when I was it's you know it was you know, it was it was a lot easier for me being at a, an academic division three because, you know, the reality is you're recruiting senior year to senior year. You know, I, I have to know at RPI that you have physics, you have pre-calc, that you want something you're, you know, that we offer from a major standpoint. You know, so it was it was far different, you know, from a recruiting end there. But, you know, that I needed to wait until you at least got through your junior year to see where your grades were at and what it was, you know, I do we follow up and, and watch you play beforehand. Absolutely. We do. But we also have like, we have to factor in that academic piece as well, you know, and, and where you're going to be out there. So, you know, it was, it was a little bit easier from that standpoint. Like it's not the rat race of trying to follow around 8,000 kids. Um, you know, but I can't tell me that people would come in and be like, so how many commits do you have? And it's like July, I'm like zero. Like I, what do you mean? Zero? Like I, I'm just getting transcripts on guys that were very, very interested in, because I have to know that, like I said, like they want computer science. They need to take physics. They want to be a mechanical engineer. They need physics and they need to have a good grade in physics on their transcript in order to continue to be recruited by us when I was there. So it was, you know, it's things like that that make it a little bit easier. But, you know, everybody would come into my office and ask, like, one of the first questions would be, like, how many kids are committed here? And, you know, it's it's a very new phenomenon over the last 
three, four, five years. And I think a lot of it comes from the, the, the Twitter and the Instagram and the, you know, come watch me on Instagram live when I commit this, you know, as a 2027 and, you know, things like that. Like, you know, I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily, again, I, like you said, I, I disagree with it. I, I don't see that there's a lot of benefit in it, but it's, it would be, um, it would not be good to not just pretend like it doesn't happen, you know, and, and just in the last, you know, I think in the last five years, it's really ticked up and, you know, definitely since, I mean, I committed in September of my senior year and that was like, you know, mind blowing to some people. And now like, think about how late that is, right. Just in, just in 20 years, think about how late September of your senior year to go play division one baseball is. And 20 years ago, that was considered super early. You know, like that's how fast it's accelerated. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but like that's it's a, a short period of time in all of college baseball for all of a sudden, like you went from it was super late to commit in September or super early to commit in September of your senior year to now like we're committing 2027. We're committing eighth graders in, in a 20 year span. And don't think like this hasn't been going on for a decade, right? Like there's when I was at Siena, we we started recruiting a lot, a lot further out because everyone was doing it. You know, so I, it's, it's been going on forever. It's just, you know, I think now to your point, the social media and, and you know, I do, I, I don't envy them. I, you know, I don't think Twitter came out until you and I were out of college to date us. But I, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I mean, Facebook no, came no out when we were in college. So, uh, you know, yeah. I was, I think I was a freshman. We're, we're officially dating. Came out, so everything else came after that, you know, so I, I don't, you know, we didn't have to deal with any of this. And, and I think that that's a, a, an extra layer of things that I think as as coaches and people who work with young kids, you know, we don't necessarily we have the empathy for, but I don't think we really understand what it's like for them because we never had to actually do that. You know, you can find the empathy in, in the playing time and in the, in the struggling in the classroom and and things like that. But I think I think there are a decent amount of pressures from a social media standpoint that we never had to live with that. It, it's a little bit hard for us to kind of understand um, nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I committed in March of my senior year to Maris. I'm, yeah, you were later than me. Yeah, I went and watched practice. And they, were, <laughs> they were so good. that They were like a 41 win team that year or something like that. They were loaded. I sat down with Coach Schaff and I was like, I want to play for this guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you like I would have been get I probably would have gotten teased by all my friends if you're now you committed that oh, late, yeah. you know, like I I don't know, it's tough. Um, no, it's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about. Like I can't imagine having changed my recruiting process to what it is now. Like it's hard for it's hard for me to kind of wrap my mind around like if if all things were the same you know uh, it's hard for me to kind of think that you know that's why I, I you know it's it's hard to kind of articulate it really like I, I don't really know what that would look like and what it is you know so it's, it's I mean think about from a development perspective like think about thirteen to seventeen like right. how much better you got or how much bigger you got and um yeah it's just i don't know we're probably beating a dead horse here um sorry if anybody loves horses i do but uh yeah it's tough um i think the big takeaway is if you're a kid a parent don't get caught up in that stuff right take good information in so that you're educated on where you fit and make a good decision based off of that and if you if you start there and you're realistic about where you fit right then i think it it'll give you some relief with regards to the timing of your process um and it's going to yeah, be different for everybody it's just that simple it's just everybody's going to be different and that's okay because uh, it's not a race to see who can commit the quickest no and you're going to have you know i i think the the one of the bigger things is trying to seek out as much information as possible like there's there's never really going to be a bad there's nothing as, as there's no not having enough information isn't isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, I, I think trying to trying to seek out as much information as you possibly can on 
on programs and, and coaches and recruiting and all these types of things can really start to kind of make your process seem a little less stressful and a little less, um, you know, a, a little easier from the standpoint of, of trying to gather as much information as you possibly can. You know, I, I think just kind of blindly relying on people that, you know, I, you can take it for what it's worth, but, you know, do your own due diligence on, on that end as well. Don't just blindly trust everybody um, when it comes to what it is that, you know, your, your future, uh, you know, and, and where you're going at, at for college, you know, do the research and, and do your own due diligence on your end to make sure that you're making the right decision for, for where you want to go and what you want to do for your future. Yeah. And I think that probably, probably a good place to end it for episode three. Um, hope you guys come back for episode four. Uh, looking to to have a few guests on here shortly, and uh, you guys can hear from some new voices and hopefully learn some good information. So, thank you again, Coach Glasser. As always, our next episode. Can't wait to see you next week. All right, brother. <laughs>